if you have your bible let's go to Joshua chapter 5 and if you do not the scripture will show up on the screen and I will read Joshua 5 verse 11 and 12 and they ate of the produce of the land on the day after the Passover unleavened bread and parched grain on the very same day then the manna ceased on the day after they had eaten of the produce of the land and the children of Israel no longer had manna but they ate the food of the land of Canaan that year and so this is a story about a guy named Joshua who took the nation of Israel that were slaves for many many years and they went through the wandering in wilderness where they were fed by God supernaturally every day getting manna these little flower things that would show up on the grass and they would gather it and they will cook it and they will eat every day like that for 40 years once they entered Canaan which is where the nation of Israel is today it was called their promised land once they entered that place manna which was God's supernatural provision it stopped and now they started to eat of the produce of the land means they started to eat of the things of the ground and they started to eat of the things of that land and today's message I'm gonna title it manna of the menu when God removes that which is good to prepare you for that which he promised when God removes that which is comfortable to give you that which he created you for see manna was good but manna wasn't something God promised God promised them milk and honey flowing God promised them houses they didn't build wells they didn't dig and vineyards they didn't plant God promised them abundance but for a short time they experienced just enough and it was God's will it was God's grace it was God's miracle provision and there come a time where God removes manna off the menu God stops the manna not to punish them not to make them now work hard but to bring them into a different season where now they have more than enough as to compare to before where they did not have enough I'm going to speak to us today on a subject of money on the subject of finances God has a plan for your life you know I believe there's three stages of, of financial prosperity it's when we don't have enough when we have just enough and when we have more than enough Israel in the Egypt didn't have enough in the wilderness they had just enough and it was God's provision it was God's miracle actually to have just enough but then God brings them to a new place where that miracle stops and God creates a provision which lasted permanently and this provision was more than enough in the Bible it says that God leads us always to triumph in Christ Jesus this scripture has to encourage you that it is the will of God God's final destination for you financially is triumph now in the area of finances triumph is spelled more than enough that you have more for your needs for your bills for the dreams and to bless those who are in need to help those who are struggling to build God's kingdom and to also you know pay your taxes and provide for your children's education and provide for your needs and your dreams God leads us always to triumph the scripture doesn't promise us that God always leads us through triumph 
sometimes we get led through trials through tribulation through temptation through challenges but the point is not where we are led through it's where we are led to it's where God leads us to and the Bible says always somebody say always see some people say well maybe that's not for me always to triumph in Christ Jesus when you have your life anchored in God your life financially will be led by God you may go through the valleys you may go through the mountains but God always his goal is to lead you to triumph you may say well there's a lot of people who died they didn't have a triumph yet still they went to heaven and they had triumph either way on this earth or in eternity you are being led not to defeat not to poverty not to sickness not to disappointment but to triumph in Jesus Christ can somebody say amen you know it's good to have just enough but it's better to have more than that Jesus says it's better to give than what and most of us know the scripture and this is what we think it means it means that you feel so much better when you give somebody five dollars than if somebody gives you five dollars no okay let me ask you a question is it better to be a beggar that receives or a person who gives to the beggar from financial standpoint of view who is in a better position the giver or the receiver of course the giver. Jesus is not just saying that it's better to give because you feel better. Jesus says the position of being able to give is higher than the position of when you are receiving. Jesus is not dissing on those who receive because we all receive and we all need to continue to receive. But Jesus is saying it's good to be here when you have manna and I give you manna. But I, there is a better, I want to take manna off and put you higher where you're not just receiving but you're also better you are actually being able to give to others yes it feels good but it also is good when you are in that place you are able to give how do you get to the place where it's better not just when it's good just because it's good that doesn't mean it's the best that God has for your life just because your bills are paid for and you're not behind on your payments and just because your car is not being repossessed and you're finally making every payments that doesn't mean that is God's best will for your life it might be even God's will right now to provide and you may say Vlad this is God who gave me a house he gave me clothes he gave me food he, he helps me to pay for all my needs a hundred fifty percent and the same God who's giving you manna wants to take you to a place of milk and honey can somebody say amen let's write down these three thoughts in the conclusion of this message number one embrace the promise without jeopardizing the process embrace the promise of more than enough without jeopardizing the process the process is where you are at today the process is your current situation the process is where you are at financially see before Israel went to a place where they had more than enough they first went through time where they had just enough and the Bible says in Deuteronomy that God took them through that time to teach them certain disciplines and certain lessons you must understand is that before God takes you to a place where he gives you more than enough he wants to prepare you and build a foundation within you when you have just enough when you have just enough and you appreciate God 
when you have just enough and you don't complain when you have just enough and you are thankful when you have just enough and you don't keep up with the Jonases or the Kardashians or the Smiths or the Savchuks or the Lopez or the Martinez or the other people where you just stay within your lane and you are comfortable with that and you recognize God is good to me and I'm going to be thankful but I'm not going to lose the sight of where God is taking me while I am grateful I am also not satisfied with where I am at I know where God is taking me he's taking me to a place of abundance and overflow in Jesus name can somebody say amen. amen when you are in that process God wants to teach you disciplines God wants to teach you the discipline of a budget God wants to teach you the discipline of living under your means acting your wage not looking like you are rich when you're not not dressing like you are rich when you're not not driving like fancy like when you are not but to stay within your lane cut your coat according to your size you know it's beautiful thing when you have a house and between you and the ceiling there is space how many of you have space between you and the ceiling when you sleep it's a beautiful thing I remember a few years ago I was pretty radical and I brought a casket to the church but that's not the radical part I dressed up like a catholic priest but that wasn't the radical part the third radical part that I did which I put my brother in a casket he was already acting up and so I decided to kind of put the cherry on the top of the cake and I put him right there in the casket uh, and uh, he, he was brought here and the casket if I'm not mistaken I think it was even closed and then they opened it and lo and behold my brother was there he had earphones so he kept, kept playing his wonderful music so he doesn't get too much death inside of his emotions and the, the bad part about living in a casket is that between you and the ceiling there is no space what makes casket dangerous is when there is no breathing room in the casket many people their finances are in a casket between their income and their expenses there is no breathing room one thing that you must learn in the process of wilderness is God wants to make breathing room in your finances sometimes you gotta downsize sometimes you gotta get rid of certain things sometimes you gotta pick up another job sometimes listen you gotta pass on and the new iPhone and the new toys and the new things sometimes you gotta pretend and look as though you might not be as prosperous as others sometimes you gotta turn on turn off the cable even disconnect certain things you will be just fine honey you make it Jesus made it without cable And even if you have to take a public transportation, Jesus changed the world without a car. Even if it temporarily, you have to do something to learn a discipline that God feeds me, God provides for me. But I am in this season going to learn how to not spend. See, it's good to dream always higher than your income. The problem happens when you start spending on the level of your dream. It's good to be on the level of your dream mentally. Don't ever take your budget on the level of your dream. Because honey, you're going to lose everything. And they're going to take the car and they're going to put you in jail all while you are dreaming. In the first level, God wants to teach us to live within our budget. To live as people who are managing our finances correctly. That when God brings provision, the habits we have here, we will carry them into the other life. The habits that we develop, it saddens me to see people who today in our culture, it has become popular to buy things, not that you can pay for, but buy things you can put on payments. You no longer ask can I afford it you only ask the question now we ask the question is can I afford the payments 
The couch is on payments. The hat is on payments. The phone is on payments. That poor shoes, the underwear is on payments. Everything is on payments. The only thing that's not on payments is you. And guess what happens? We squeeze the breathing room out of our finances. We begin to suffer emotionally. We become worried. We become anxious. Our marriage is strings. We have troubles and, and difficulties. All while we buy things we don't need to impress people we don't like with money we don't have. God wants to teach you to live on a budget. And if you are a young person, live like that. When I was in high school, I had a minivan. I was proud of that minivan. Too proud of that minivan. Was I made fun of it? A hundred percent. So what? I am a high school student. But you know one thing about that minivan? I owned that minivan. Yeah, it was only a few hundred bucks, but I owned it. And just because you drive a Cadillac, that you make, make payments on, you don't own that Cadillac. It's better to have something as a young person, as a young family that you own. When we got married first year, we couldn't afford a TV. We didn't have one. It was just fine. We had so much communication. We didn't have an internet in our house. Well, because it wasn't necessary and we could, so many people, they max everything out. And they, they say, now I want God to bring me prosperity, to bail me out out of the mess I got my into. God gives you prosperity not to bless your mess, but to reward you that in your time when things were tight, you were responsible. You were disciplined and you were faithful in Jesus' name. Can somebody say amen? lower your standard of life so you can elevate your quality of life lower your standard of life so you can elevate your quality of life it's okay if you buy clothes out of Ross it's okay if you'll have to buy things out of a used store it's okay if you shop even at a Goodwill and wash it it does not matter what matters is you have breathing room what matters is that you come, you can breathe. You can breathe in your marriage. You can breathe in your health. You can breathe in every area. You don't have to have what everyone has. You are not running their life. Your life is a journey. It's not a race. You're not competing with no one but yourself. And learn to embrace the season that you are in. Because this season, it has a reason and it has an expiration date. And God will take you to another level. But if you don't learn the disciplines during this season, God cannot, you cannot sustain those blessings in this season. Can somebody say amen? amen? Tip number two, and we learned this from Israel, is we give God what is first, not what is left. Left. We give God what is first, not what's left. When Israel came to the promised land, manna stops. They already learned how to live on manna. Now God is adding their income. God is bringing more resources. God is giving them more opportunities and the first city they're going to conquer was called Jericho. TV shows are made about Jericho, different Jericho. You heard about Jericho but this Jericho was unique because God said they will conquer this Jericho and once they do God wants all the proceeds from this Jericho to go straight to the church's account in our words. To go straight into the temple or the tabernacle. Now imagine this you were slaves for hundreds of years. For tens of years you were waiting for this abundant life. You finally was trimming every area of your life, barely kind of making it through surviving but God was with you. And now finally you're stepping into a place where God is giving you that which you've been finally dreaming and God says and say, hey, uh, you're gonna get the first city, it's mine. You're like, uh, that's kind of mine Lord, that's mine. 
and this is the problem that nobody will understand the idea of giving to the Lord until you get rid of self-entitlement until you get rid of that mine attitude you know I I own a, a rental property and in the rental property I have people who live in there we have a contract and they live there it's their property in a sense I cannot just go in there and open the door though I have the keys and say hmm I don't like keep the house clean I don't like this and I don't like that I cannot have and I cannot do that though it is my property it is their property in a sense that they manage it but every single month by the third if I don't receive something from them their property quickly becomes in trouble and they live there knowing it's our property and at the same time knowing it belongs to someone else we are the managers Vlad is the owner every single paycheck you get you have to be like a renter you have to look at your job look at your health look at the air you breathe and have to say this I am the manager of the earth I am the manager of my life God is the boss and God is the owner the moment you forget that the moment you begin to think you're the owner the moment God prompts your heart you gotta give that tithe and you say that is mine it's like a renter saying I will not be paying my rent I will not honor the owner that is mine very soon they'll see a police officer standing destroy that self self-entitled mindset it is mine nothing is really yours did you pay for air that you've been breathing for the last 25 years did you pay for the ground for the gold for the silver that is here did you put the earth in suspense did you create the law of gravity are you making payments for the sun to shine have you made the payment to rain to come on this earth and to yield crops have you gave payments every single day for the blood to flow in your body no you haven't God created you and you belong to him and when you become your own God that's two big shoes to fill my brother keep God first and the way you do that is you honor him with your finances Israel had to do that by putting God first they gave a Jericho they gave a Jericho now the important part here to understand is to give God first it's not just tithe is 10 tithe is not just about 10 percent it's about the first that we give to God what makes a difference it's like the guy who came to the pastor and he didn't have money but he brought a pastor a fish he said pastor I want to give the fish to the Lord and he said this is my tithe and he says where is your other nine fish he said oh they're still in the river I'm about to go catch it he said but I already caught first one and I want to bring it to the God and that's how it is you you have the first you honor it to God and you trust him to bless the rest in his name so many people have this attitude like that uh, farmer who had two two calves that was born and one was red and, and the other one was white and so he said that one of the calves they'll grow both of the calves and one of them he'll give it to the Lord and so but they didn't decide which calf would be given to the Lord until one morning he woke up comes to his wife and he says hey honey the Lord's calf died he said how did you I thought we didn't determine which calf is the Lord's he says the moment the red calf died I knew it was the Lord's and many times that's exactly the attitude we have toward giving if something came up we're like oops that goes my tithe Lord you should have watched for that but that's not a right attitude you have to give to God first not just wait for some incident or some things to happen the beautiful part about giving to God is that it's weird how it works it's not magic it's not give it and you get back but it's this beautiful thing and one businessman described it that I really liked it when they asked him how come you give to God and then God seemed to bless you back and in a business farmer way this business had described and he said I shovel out God shovels it back but God has a bigger shovel that's just how it works 
He says, I shovel out, God shovels back and God happens to have a bigger shovel. When you begin to give, you begin to notice God's blessing on the rest of the 90%. Now let me give you a side of a little bit of encouragement to those of you who are thinking that I cannot afford not to give. You cannot afford not to give. If you can't live on 90%, let me tell you something from financial standpoint of view. I am 100% sure you cannot live on 100% either. Trust in God. Begin to put God first. Those of you who are beginning to come to the Lord and commit your life to Jesus, put God first in your finances. You don't need to do that to go to heaven. But if you want God's blessing and acknowledge God as the owner of your life, we do that as Christians. There was a guy who in the Bible that the moment God told him to take the whole city and give it to God, he thought he was smarter. I don't know what this excuse was. Maybe he was thinking that, you know what, those priests, they spend the money on the wrong things. And I think I have a better use of this money. I find sometimes people use the same excuse. They say, I don't want to give money to church because I don't know what the money go for. It's interesting. That's the only time when you ask that question. You bought coffee at every coffee shop and not once a thought went through your mind. What do they spend that money on? You went to stores. You bought things and you never thought a thought came through your mind. When it comes to the church, the only place where actually your money will go to something good and that's when the devil sends you those lies. And Achan was filled with lies and he says, I need to keep that money. That's for me. I was working so hard and I deserve that. And something happened. Not only eventually he lost those money, he lost all other money. It affected his health. It affected his family and it affected his life. He actually died without seeing God's full provision. I read a story about this man in, in 1988. His name was Emmanuel and this guy is a famous artist. He would go and buy things from the local grocery gas station, from local gas station. At one particular time now, in 1987, uh, $20 was a lot of money. So at one particular time, he went and he gave this cashier $20 and he bought certain things. And when she held the $20, she noticed that the ink from $20 was imprinted on her hands. So she knew him really well. So she just put it in and didn't even ask him, you know, hey, what's going on? The next day, same thing happened. And so she decided to call police. The police went into his attic and they found out that this guy is a professional painter and he's painting American dollars. They collected a lot of hundreds, twenties and fifties that he's been using and he's been using that as money. But the surprising part is they also saw three paintings that they confiscated from him and they sold it at the local auction for about $5,000 each painting. In 1987, that's a bank. And this is what the conclusion they came to. They said something very surprising. They said it took him as long to paint $20 as it did to paint $5,000 painting. He was a thief but the person he was stealing was himself. When you steal, when you don't give God what is his, remember you're not stealing from God, you're stealing from yourself. And that's what Achan did. And I want to challenge every person today, don't be a thief as a Christian now if you're not a follower of Jesus this doesn't apply to you but as a believer God is our owner we believe God is our creator we believe that we are not here because of bang and bang and we believe when our heart breathes its last angels will escort us free of charge we believe we're going to live in heaven that we're not going to pay utilities we're going to have build mansions without mortgages I mean that's one reason to go to heaven 
out of million. We believe that God is going to have a streets paid of gold and we believe this good heavenly father he wants to provide and bless us on this earth and he created this earth not for the devil, not for the demons. He didn't put all the gold and silver for drug dealers, for the murderers or for the rapists. Like he did it for people, not for demons and that we are free to enjoy it as long as in our heart and in our life we honor God as we're supposed to do. Can somebody say amen? amen. And thirdly is that work hard pray even harder work hard pray even harder we see that with Joshua that the way they conquered each city which symbolizes to us like a business transaction each city meant they're gonna get houses each city meant they will have real estate each city meant they're gonna have a lot of flocks each city meant that they're gonna have a lot of wells, they're gonna have a lot of streets, that they're gonna have they're gonna have a community and so each city symbolized a lot of money actually but each city was conquered differently and Israel didn't walk into the promised land, folded their hands and God just rolled the red carpet and said hey this is your country, this is your prosperity and this is your blessing. They worked hard but before every city Joshua would talk to God and get from God ideas on how to go about that city and God would tell him in first city go around the walls as they would walk around the walls God says you walk around them I push them down let's work together and that's exactly what happened we see in another city Joshua doesn't ask God and he relies on his previous experience and gets cocky and says hard work is enough and he doesn't go without talking to God goes in and they get defeated by a small city and Joshua comes back and now he rips his clothes, lays before God all day and says, God, I need you now. And God says, well, remember Joshua, prosperity is a partnership. Prosperity is not education for you, Joshua. Prosperity is not weaponry. Prosperity is not tanks, guns and bazookas. Prosperity is a connection between hard work and harder praying. You must understand as a Christian, that's exactly how it will work in your life. God will bless your hard work. But your hard work has to be combined with your relationship with God. And not only relationship, but a prayer life where you depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. When you don't pray and you only work hard, it's almost like using a saw. A hand saw to cut a tree. I had a Christmas tree in my house and I, don't, I believe in recycling. So instead of throwing things away, I burned them. And I have a fireplace so I decided to burn the Christmas tree. Cut, it burns really good. And so when I cut all the branches with the scissors, then I was left with the, the thing in the middle that you can cut with the, with the scissors. And so I took a handsaw and I was sweating. It took me 15 to 20 minutes, cut the small little piece of the Christmas tree. But then when we were working this weekend at my father's house and trying to cut big trees and we rented a chainsaw. Now the chainsaw, we didn't sit there sipping coffee and on our snapchat and snapchatting as a chainsaw was cutting the wood. We still had to have our hand on the chainsaw but the work is a lot faster and it's a lot easier when you use a power tool instead of a handsaw. See when you pray God adds power to your hand. It's no longer your muscle, it becomes the muscle of the Holy Spirit. God adds super to your natural and it becomes supernatural. But God is not going to add super if you don't have natural. God is not going to work for you, God wants to work with you. 
God doesn't want prosperity, money coming from heaven, falling on your bank account. He wants also prosperity to be the blessing, the work of your hands. Not the folding of your hands, not your hands in the pocket, but your hands working and your hands doing and saying, God, I need your help. Guide me, protect me, bless me, anoint me in Jesus' name. When you pray and you work together, the Holy Spirit will do the impossible. The Holy Spirit will do the miracles. When you only work but you don't pray, you will be limited to a handsaw. You will make income but it will be hard. If you trust in God and spend more time with God than just working, you will also see God's help and God's enablement. You may sit here and you're a businessman. You may say, Vlad, I am busy. Joshua wasn't a pastor. Joshua was a leader yet he spent time with God. All these guys, they were not necessarily priests but they were men and women just like you. When they connected with God, God gave them supernatural help in the area of their need. Yesterday I heard a story of a young lady. Her name is Annabelle and this young lady, she, Anna, Anna Beam actually. And this little girl at the age of five, she was diagnosed with two incurable diseases. It had something to do with the acid reflex. She would be admitted to the hospital constantly and there was no cure and these two incurable diseases were also life-threatening. That means it would cut her lifespan very short and there was no cure and there was no medicine that could cure that. And on top of that, you know, the mother was very frustrated and the mother was very sad about it and so she kept crying out to God, say, Lord, if you're not gonna cure my baby, please just take her home. And actually at that time when she was crying out to God like that, her daughter being about five or something years of age now, she was on the tree playing with another girl and she falls 30 feet deep from the tree and hits a part of another tree on the ground with her head down. The ambulance came, they took her quickly, they put all of these machines on her trying to check if you know if she's died and, and she was unconscious and to their greatest surprise not only she didn't suffer any injury to her head, she didn't suffer any injury to her body but when she came back they saw that the symptoms of the two incurable diseases were completely gone. Today she's 12. They recorded a movie that's going to be playing in movie theaters in just a month or something. It's called Miracle from Heaven. And when they asked, the doctors asked her, so what happened to you? She says, the moment I hit the tree, she says, I went to heaven, I saw my aunt there. I saw my uncle. She says, I knew it was heaven. And I saw Jesus and Jesus said, I'm going to return you back on this earth except without all the sicknesses and you're gonna bring my message to your generation. And that family, it changed this family's life completely. Not just because the daughter was completely cured, but also now their ministry started out of this small healing that looks maybe small to you and me, but to them it changed everything. That's what happens when God adds super to the little that you have. When you have problems and God adds His power. When you have challenges and God adds His help. When you walk around the wall but God is the one pushing them. When you're running against the enemy and God helps you by sending hail on the enemies and giving you victory and giving you blessing and prosperity. Work hard, pray even harder. Pray even harder. Come to morning prayers. Make your time with God. People who say, oh prayer is such a waste of time. Prayer is not a waste of time. Prayer is the best saving of time. 
because when you spend time in prayer God gives you a burden for your city God takes away the lustful thoughts for that guy or that girl that could only make you pregnant and give you a sexual transmitted disease God or oh God takes away the lust in your heart for pornography I read a marriage counselor who said this year when he was mentoring men who were addicted to pornography and they stopped looking at pornography he said without exception all 12 men in a year all of them without exception double their income when you spend time with God it's not just how much ideas God will give you it's how much junk God will protect you from that waste money it's how much bad things God will protect you from from things that will take you deeper into debt deeper into financial troubles deeper into things that is not of God God will bless you and God will protect you always remember embrace the season that you are in put God first and remember prayer and hard work has to go together in Jesus name Amen.